Bible, hold it up, and let's make this. Say this, say this out loud, mean it from your heart. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession that I will meditate in it both day and night, Monday through Friday, a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. And now everything I touch, everything I touch, it turns to success. If you'll believe that, shout hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we as your sons and your daughters, humbly come into your throne. We all believe together as touching this for eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that are open and receptive. We believe together for revelation knowledge to flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We agree together that not one of us will leave, whether in person or online, the same way that we came. Let us all be changed in Jesus' name. We'll purpose to give you all the glory and all the praise. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, band. Amen. Thank you. Open with me in your Bible to Psalm 27. I want to begin in stanza 13 and read 13 and 14. This is David. He said, I had fainted. You could say, I would have fainted. Unless I had believed to see something. (laughs) Believed to see. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, I had fainted unless I had believed to see. I wonder what that means. The goodness of the Lord. We know he went through some things, some very, very difficult things. At one point, people thought he had lost his mind. He was acting crazy like. He was beside himself. He had been through many, many battles. You could say many different storms in life. And so he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in my lifetime. And stanza 14 says, he says to wait on the Lord, to be of good courage, that he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It's my assignment today to talk to you about what are you believing to see? That's, that's the title. What are you believing to see? 
the words I had fainted are not in the original text in Hebrew. Um, these are in italics, which means the translators added it with hopes to bring clarity to the text. But it seems like David was saying, I don't know what I would have done unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in this lifetime. Have you ever been there where you don't know what you would have done under that circumstances? Or that's, I don't know what I would have done unless this or that would have happened. It isn't in the original text, but I would like to use it. I would have fainted. Fainted in other places in the Bible means overwhelmed. Have you ever been in a situation and it just overwhelmed you? I don't know what I would have done. I was overwhelmed. This word fainted d- d- describes a place of being overwhelmed. I heard Dr. Dollar define it as this word faint. You know, when, when the Bible talks about when, and I would have fainted or, or fainted in other verses. He says it means to cave in. To give up. To throw in the towel. And to quit. If that were so, I could imagine David was saying, I was at a place where I could have threw in the towel. I could have given up. I could have caved in under the pressure. Unless I had believed to see. What is he saying? Have you ever been in that place where you would have fainted? Recently as of this past week. A young man in California committed suicide and it made national news. Prior to last week, I didn't even know the man existed. But it really caught national news. We don't know the countless thousands of lives that are lost by suicide on a regular basis. We just happen to know this one Because of its notoriety. The uh, media talked about the fact that it was just simply tragic. But then they made a note of the timing. Right after Thanksgiving. Right after his anniversary. Right before Christmas. Right before Jesus' birthday celebration. I think he had three little kids. The basic idea in that scenario is I give up. I'm overwhelmed. I quit. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. So if you've ever been there, I've been there. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 6. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by something, then I need you to hear me today. There are some storms in life that can come against us so severely that they can make you want 
to give up. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 6. Verse 46 through 49, he says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you to whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard did nothing is like a man who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. I submit to you that this storm came against both men. The one that loved Jesus and did what Jesus told him to do. The other one that knew Jesus but didn't do what Jesus told him to do. The storm wasn't discriminating. It didn't say, well, hey, you love God, so I'm going to leave you alone. And you're not living right, and so I'm really going to bring it to you. The same stream that beat upon the one house beat upon the other house. All of us have been, maybe, or will be, at a place in life where a storm comes and it's intended to wipe you out. But what's the difference between one and the other? I can remember a storm of this magnitude. That came against me in my own life in 2004. I was sitting in a chair in my upstairs bedroom. On the west side of Detroit. On Pearson Street. I think the window was open. Summer. Catch a breeze. No air conditioning. Come on somebody. I was sitting in this chair and just in the middle of one of the worst experiences of my life. And a thought came to me. You should just kill yourself. I didn't hear a voice. But through my mind, you should just kill yourself. Immediately, I opened my mouth. I said, you should just kill yourself. I did. But for the first time, I could understand how people who did that could get there. And the judgment against those people, from my perspective, was immediately gone. In that same season in my life, I would look up on the news and sure enough, there was a murder-suicide over here and another murder and suicide over there or this situation and that situation. And for the first time in my life, not that it's right in any way, I could understand where that came from. It first originated as simply a thought. A thought came to them. I was talking to my papa one time. And somehow or another he was telling me about going out to the Hoover Dam. 
and uh, or being in some place, you know, like way up really high. And he said he was standing there at the rail, and it just felt like something behind was, you know, oh, y'all got to help me. <laughs> he said, Stan Lewis, it just felt like something behind me trying to, you know. Or you could be in a place I've heard other teaching. And this is why I was so prepared almost 18 years ago because of pastors and leaders in my life that took the time to minister along this. I was so prepared. I heard Brother Hagen teach one time and how he was dealing with this situation. Same thing what I'm talking about. Somebody was up. I don't know if they were on the Sears Tower and the thought came to them. You should just jump. And he said, without thinking, the per- the, you know, the person responded. He says, well, you should ju-. he said, well, you should just jump. That's where that came from. The seed of the word from God was deposited in my heart. And so when the one thought came immediately without waiting and not, you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. I fought it with words. And immediately I said, well, you should just kill yourself <laughs> wherever that thought came from. It is a foul spirit of suicide. Stand up with me. I want to take authority over that spirit right now. You may be watching online and you may find yourself in a difficult place, in a difficult situation. You might find yourself being in a storm. We're taking authority. Say this out loud. In the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of suicide, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Loose your assignment. Stop your operations and cease your maneuvers against those people in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You could be seated. Thank you, Lord. That's how you deal with the devil. You don't play around with this. Thought come across your mind like that? I remember my teacher said, thought come across my mind? You know, and then you, you're thinking, why am I thinking about killing myself? And the devil on the other shoulder, he'll say, you must be suicidal. Now, he brought the thought and then wants to supplement the thought. Come on, somebody. If you allow that in your mind, Brother Hagin said it for many years, you can't keep birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. And in the same way, you can't keep thoughts from coming to your mind. But you could take authority over them. You could deal with them. Amen. The Bible says casting down. Thank you. Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And bringing into captivity every thought. Somebody say every thought. <laughs> My teacher, Brother Keith, he said, every brain needs a bouncer at the door. Every mind needs a bouncer. Like you, who are you? Where do you come from? No, you're not welcome here. Those are not your thoughts. Say it out loud. Those are not my thoughts. Amen. You can cast them down. So let's go back and let's get into this message. So I need you to hear me today. If you've ever gone through anything difficult, challenging in life. This is a word for you. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The thing that has kept me year after year and is still keeping me to this day 
is what David said in this verse. He said, I am believing to see some things in my lifetime. That is why he says in the next verse, wait on the Lord. Look at it. Psalm 27, 14. He says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. My assignment today is to challenge you from the word of God to write down a list of things that you are believing to see in your lifetime. Those are the things that have kept me alive to this day. When I was at my lowest low, when I could have given up on life, I believed that somehow, some way, I'm going to see the good things that God has shown to me while I'm yet alive. Amen? This is the fourth part in a series that we've called Faithful to Finish. And so I need to do a short review. How many of y'all remember that we've talked about so far that our time on this planet is really short? In Psalm 89, I want you to see this with fresh eyes. In Psalm 89, stanza 45 through 48, the psalmist says, writing about David, The days of his youth you have shortened. You have covered him with shame. And it says, pause and think about that. He's acknowledging that he's got a short amount of time. He says, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created all the children of men? What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Pause and think about that. Now look at the context of this. He's talking about how short our lives are. He says, remember, God, how short my life is. He's praying like, God, I need you to help me in this situation. I don't have a whole lot of time left. Remember how short my time is because what if what futility you have created. Remember how short my time is because of your the purpose for which you have created. So how many of y'all know your your purpose is important? If you lose your purpose, you lose your reason for living. He brings to bear what purpose for which I was born. Then he asks a question in stanza 48. He says, what man can live and not see death? Here's an announcement. One day, should the Lord Terry is coming, we are all going to die. What's the purpose then for life? There's something that we've got to accomplish. We're only here for a very short time compared to eternity. We're all going to go by the way of the grave should the Lord tarry his coming. So we have covered and we have said then, teach us then, O God, to number our days because only what we do for Christ will last. Say that out loud with me. Teach us to number our days because only what we do for Christ will last. It's in this passage of Psalm 90. We just read Psalm 89, but I want you to go over to Psalm 90. I've taught this, but I need to review it because it was just two weeks ago. And maybe you're here, you're listening for the first time. Because our days are so short, the psalmist says in the next book, the next song, to teach us to number our days. 
But let's, let's, that's in stanza 12. Let's back up and look at stanza 1. Stanza 1 and 2, he says, a prayer of Moses. So Moses wrote this prayer. Moses, the man of God, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever you have formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Notice that he starts off this prayer acknowledging God, you have been with us since our beginning. From Adam through Moses, all the days in every generation, you have been our God. But not only that, from the time that the mountains pushed up out of the ground, from the time that the earth was formed, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I don't mean to bore you, but we've talked in several occasions about the fact that the earth was formed nearly 4.54 billion with a B years ago. That's kind of beyond our capacity to even imagine. But how many of y'all know about the dinosaurs? How many of you believe the dinosaurs have actually existed? Well, from what we know, I mean, the dinosaurs' bones are found. They say the dinosaurs went extinct. Listen, 65 million years ago. They were they lived and roamed the earth for 165 million years and then went extinct 65 million years ago. Our human history only goes back 6000 years. 65 million compared to 6000. Let alone compared to 4 billion. Come on somebody. Say, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. What is our life and the amount of time that we have left in this life, whether young or older, what is our life in comparison to an eternity? Somebody say it's very, very, very short. The Bible calls it a vapor. Says that it's like grass. Let's go on to the next stanza. Look at how does God see time? According to stanza four, it says for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, like a watch in the night. I did the math. A thousand years God time is like 41. uh, A thousand years is like a day and a a day is like a thousand years. I did the math. 41.6 years of our life. Is like an hour to God. Who am I talking to today? I need y'all to put this math together. 41.6. If a thousand years with God is like a, a day, that means it's like 24 hours. And if you divide 24 hours by a thousand, what you'll find is it's 41.66666 and then seven at the end. Come on. So that means if you're 42, you've lived about one hour God time. And if you're 84, amen, bless you, go on, girl, go on, man. That means you lived about two hours God time. And we know the span that God has set. He shortened man's life. That's what it said in Psalm 89. He said, you have shortened his time. When did that happen? In Genesis 6 and 3, God said, I ain't striving with man no more. Man used to live for a thousand years. And before man lived for a thousand years, he was intended to live forever. But God told Adam in the day, somebody say day, in the day that you partake of this, you will surely die. Isn't it interesting that Adam lived about a thousand years, which is like a day to God. 
Okay, didn't get no response on this side. Let me go back over here. Come on, somebody. 24 hours, as it were. It was a thousand years before. Methuselah, probably the oldest man that ever lived. And others, many men, Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, men were living a long span of time. But when they hit Genesis 6, God said, from this day forward, I'm not fooling. Well, he didn't say that. He said, my, my soul. <laughs> My soul will not strive, strive with mankind because the imagination, listen, of their thoughts is evil continually. And so their days shall be 120 years. If you did the research, not a lot. Very, very. How do I say this? There may be one or two people that have broken the Guinness's book of world records and lived 126 years. All right. But hardly nobody lives to 120. I'm talking about it's like point. Point zero one percent of people, right? Now, Harlem people. I mean, we celebrate centurions. Did I say that right? That's centurions, people that live a hundred years. I mean, that's like, woo, man, you know, you lived a hundred years, which is 20, 20 years short of the mark. I'm going somewhere with this, folks. Stay with me. And even comparison. I mean, 20 years, God time is still about three hours. That's like a good movie. Come on, somebody. Two, about two hours. Now watch this. Go to, go to stanza. Uh, oh, we'll pick back up in four and we'll read to six. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like sheep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. And in the morning it flourishes and it grows up. And in the evening it is cut down. What is he saying? A thousand years to you is like here today and gone tomorrow. Then he picks up. In stanza nine, he says, for all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Everybody go. That's an entire lifespan. In description. We're talking about finishing, being faithful to finish what you were put on this planet for. What are you believing To see in your life before you die is really important to you finishing. It keeps you going. Okay. Look at stanza 10. He says the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years. Yet if their boast is only yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off. And then we fly away. Moses is writing this to God. He starts out acknowledging, God, you've been from the beginning. Right? You've been around for like really, really, from ever. Come on, y'all help me. God, you've been around for a very long time. A thousand years to you is like nothing. But for us, our years are like 70. And if by reason of strength, 80. And then we fly away. Why is he bringing this in context? Now, what's interesting is Moses lived, according to Deuteronomy 34, Moses lived to see 120 years. He's writing about the children of Israel that he's leading out of the desert, out of the wilderness into the promised land. And he's writing about them and he's, 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 
He's not establishing that your life is supposed to be 70 to 80 years. So many have taken this verse of scripture to believe that, that at 70 and maybe 80, that, you know, within, you know, God promised you 70 to 80 years. How many have ever heard that God promises, promises us 70 to 80 years? That's not true. He said you can live to 100. But in reality, in their day, and not only was it for Moses in their day, it's even in our day that people lived 70 to 80 years. The CDC reports, now this is the Center of Disease Control, which we heard a lot about over these last three years. Come on, somebody, y'all help me. Center of Disease Control reports that the average lifespan in the United States is 76.1 years. For men, it's 73.2. For women, it is 79.1. What's wrong with that? Come on, somebody. He's not establishing that this is the length of your life. He's, he's, he's making an observation. He's being real about what's going on. And I need you to be real about what's going on in your life. He's about to say, teach us therefore, oh God, to number our days. We've got to finish that for which we were put on the planet for. See, we live down here. See, all of us immediately, when we said 73.2 and 79. Point one, all of us believe we're above average. Come on, somebody. People live here like we are going to be here forever. The older I get, man, the faster time seems. And the younger those ages sound. I was just at a home-going service for Mother Mary's brother yesterday, and he made 79 and a half. Girl, glory to God. Amen. But man, I remember when I was young. People said how old somebody died, and I was like, oh, man, they lived a long, good life. Now it's like, oh, they died so young. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm, how much more time do I have? <laughs> we, we been, my, my wife and I have been married for seven. Time goes by fast. Young folks, it's like forever, right? <laughs> Reese stands a tip. I mean, 12, we were 10. Here's the summation of this entire chapter. And you got to hear it. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does it mean, number our days? I'll give you a number of different translations. He says, teach us to realize how short our lives are. New Living says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Uh, New Life Virgin says, teach us to understand how many days we have. New, New Catholic Bible says, teach us to comprehend how few our days are. New Century Virgin says, teach us how short our lives really are. International Standard Version, teach us to keep account of our days so that we may develop inner wisdom. And the CEV says, teach us to use wisely all the time that we have left. So say it out loud, teach us to number our days Because only what we do for Christ will last. What are you talking about, Pastor Stan? You're only here for a certain amount of time. What kept David through every storm was that he believed to see certain things happen in this lifetime. And it kept him from wanting to quit. It kept him from wanting to give up. It kept him from wanting to throw in the towel. Now I need you to embrace another reality. Not only should we embrace that it's important for us to be wise, 
to take account of how much time we have left to fulfill our purpose, the reason why we should do that is because only what we do for Christ will last. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read it, verse 10 through 15. It says this, According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Somebody say reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. It is from this verse that we boldly declare that only what you do in this life for Christ is going to last. We don't pack U-Hauls and take them to heaven. How much of your life is going to be forgotten when you're gone? In other words, if you've made no eternal difference, then what difference does it even make? Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 11 says, Then I looked on all the works of my hands. And had, that my hands had done. I looked on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed it was all vanity and the grasping of the wind. In other words, it was all for nothing. There was no profit under the sun. Solomon is the wisest man that ever lived. And he observed at the end of his life, looking back. It's a song that we sing. When I look back over my life. And I think things over, you know, so maybe one person knew that song. I just saw a couple of people here moving. Amen. Amen. When Solomon, at the end of his life, looks back over his life, he essentially says, what a waste. All of the houses that I've built, the vacations that I take, the money that I made, the things that I did, all the the businesses that I built. When I look back over my life, it was all vanity. How much of our lives will be forgotten when we pass? Look at verse 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 16 it says this. For there is no more remembrance of the wise than the fool forever or in eternity. Since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. How does a wise man die just like everybody else? Notice he said there will be no remembrance after this is done. How much of your life will be remembered after you're gone? Only. Somebody say only. I know you got that master's degree. I know you got that doctor's degree. I know you went here and you did that. But in reality, only what you do for Jesus 
is going to make any difference in eternity. And I can tell you, and I will tell you, after the new year, I'm going to preach about your kingdom purpose. I can tell you right now, you were not born to make that company rich. That's not your life's purpose. You are not like some battery put in a matrix in some kind of machine to spend out your days to have somebody else's for somebody else's benefit. No, there is a kingdom purpose. There's a reason why you were born. There's a reason, baby, while you're still breathing and somebody else is not. God's got a plan for your life and it stretches beyond what's going on right now and it reaches over into eternity. Oh, glory to God. Uh, Matthew 16, 25 through 27. He says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? For what profit is it if man, if he gains the whole world? Yeah, you got all that. Yeah, you did all of this. Yeah, and it's all going to burn at the end. Come on, somebody. <laughs> What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 27 says, For the Son of Man will come, he's talking about in the future, in the glory of his Father and his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Jump back to verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. We're talking about people losing their life right now today. That's what we brought in the context. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Say it out loud. Only what I do for Christ will last. In 1 Corinthians 3, he was talking about what you build your life on. If you build it with gold gold and silver and precious stones, then great. But if you build your life with wood, hay, and straw, then one's going to last and the other one is not. So say it out loud. Teach us to number our days because only what we do for Christ will last. So let me ask you. What then are you believing to see happen in this lifetime? That's what's going to keep you going. In that marriage, with those kids, with that wife. Come on, somebody. I'm messing with you, baby. I just put the little eyebrow up. I was just messing. I love you and we good. With that job, with that boss, what's keeping you? From throwing it in and saying, I'm out. Do they say Audi 5,000 on it? Or is that a long time ago? (laughs) What's keeping you? It's what you're believing to see. And if you lose sight of that, you'll find yourself at a point of being overwhelmed. You'll find yourself at a point of giving up. You'll find yourself ready to quit. So my challenge today is to ask you to get out a legal pad and write down. I'm not talking about like some bucket list where I want to go to the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That ain't going to count for nothing. I'm talking about some meaningful things. Kingdom things. Because again, 
The only what you do for Christ will last. Now, you can do all that fun stuff. It ain't going to amount to nothing. And in the end, you'll regret it. I'm talking about a spiritual list of things that by faith that haven't happened yet. But you believe in that before I die, I'm believing to see this. And this is scriptural. I'm about to give you line upon line some scripture. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Let me give you our first example. This is an individual that lived a long time. And the thing that kept him alive, because he had a hope to see God had given him a word about something. And he hadn't heard it. He hadn't seen it happen. But God told him, this is going to happen. And he held on to it. Even when it looked like it was never ever going to come to pass. And then finally one day it came to pass. And then at that point he was ready to go on in glory. Luke chapter 2. Come on somebody. Luke chapter 2 verse 22. We'll start in Luke 2 22. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, capital H for Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is Jesus just being born in a manger. Eight days after he was gone through the purification process. And now they are bringing little baby Jesus to present him to the Lord. How many of y'all know we should all present our children to God after they're born? Amen. Next Sunday, if you haven't already do it, we invite you. Reach out real quick so we can get the certification, the little, little certificates ready. We've got one child already that's going to be presented to God. And we as a congregation and as parents are going to dedicate ourselves to see this child fulfill God's will for their life. Amen? Amen. Now watch this. They're bringing Jesus into the temple. Jump down to verse 25. And verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout. This man had been waiting for something. He had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. You ever heard of a consolation prize? Well, this is a capital C consolation. I don't really know what it meant. I didn't look it up today. Come on, somebody. But I do know that he's referring to Jesus. This man, Simeon, had been waiting for Jesus to be born. Because the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Think about what had happened. This man served God, been in church all his life. He was an older man. And some point along the way, God showed him You're going to live and you're going to see Jesus born in your lifetime. And he held on to that prophetic word. I've been prophesying over your life. I've been prophesying over your family. I've been prophesying over your father. I've been prophesying over this church. And God has given you a word. And I know it seems like it is never going to come to pass. It seems like it is never going to come to fruition. But I'm here to tell you, don't let go. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And don't quit. Believe to see it. If God said it, Surely he will bring it to pass. He who has begun a good work in you, he will perform it. 
I don't know how many passed for this man. He got old. God had told him. Revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that you're going to see Jesus. And so he came by the Holy Spirit into the temple the same day that Jesus was brought to be presented. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took up baby Jesus in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I don't know if he held him up like Simba. You know, come on somebody. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to pray for me in this church. They brought in little baby Jesus, and he said, is that Jesus? Oh, the Holy Spirit told me to come to church today. And oh, he says, oh, this is Jesus. This is the one. Oh, glory be to God. He lifted up that baby, and he said to God, listen to what he said to God. He said, God, now you're letting me depart in peace according to your word. In verse 30, he went on. I didn't cover it all up. But verse 30 says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now he's ready to die. Now he's ready to go on. Why? Because he fulfilled the purpose. He held on to the word from God. He didn't give up. He didn't let go. Like I told you, there's three ways you know you're ready to die. Number one, you're born again. Don't die before being born again. Amen. Number two, when you fulfill your kingdom purpose, God had him there with a word to believe that Jesus is coming in my generation. And he believed and Jesus came. Amen. Amen. And then number three, when you're old and satisfied, (laughs) obviously he was old (laughs) and now he was satisfied. Because he got to see what he was believing for. Can I give you one more example? There came a woman in. Same thing happened with her. Look at verse number 36. There came a woman in. Not only was it Simeon, there was a woman named Anna, a prophetess. She also had the Holy Ghost. She was the daughter of Phineal. And she was of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. Now when the Bible calls you old, you are old. We, we have been talking about, you know, our shine is short. And this is the Bible says she was of great age. Oh, y'all going y'all gonna to mess with me? All the young people are smiling, old people looking at me like, come on, Pastor Stan. The Bible says that she was of a great age. Listen, and had lived with her husband seven, lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. Obviously, she was a widow, so he died, but she stayed with God. They were married for seven years. He died, and she stayed with God until she got old. I know I'm talking to somebody in this church. And this woman was a widow about 84 years old. If the Bible says 84 is a good age of a great age, then come on somebody. 84 is good to shoot for. Amen? Still not so quiet. Amen. Who did not depart from the temple? This woman didn't even leave the church. She served God with fastings and prayer night and day. What is she doing? Go on, get up, go give up, go ahead, go on to be with the Lord. No, God gave her a word. She had been believing for Jesus to come. How many of y'all are believing for Jesus to come back? I am believing. I would love, how many of you would love to Jesus, to love to see Jesus come back in your lifetime? 
Oh, I would love to Jesus see Jesus come back in my lifetime. And I'm believing to see it would. I believe that I will live to see Jesus come back. I've got a reason to live because I'm, I'm believing. Oh, y'all got to help me. Don't unhook. I'll be done in a minute. Glory to God. This will keep you going. When things happen in a church and you want to give up and you want to quit. When things don't seem to be moving in the realm of the Spirit. When things don't seem to be moving for what you have been believing. For things that you have gotten to work. When it looks like it's not coming to pass. I'm telling you, hold on to your dream. You're believing someday to be married. If you're believing someday to have children. Listen, there's kingdom purpose connected to that. That's an eternal impact. And it's worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are y'all going to let me finish? I got a little bit more. I only got one person said finish. All right. Everybody else dismissed. Come on, Sister Dolores. We got this today. Can Can I keep going? No, I need a little bit more help than that. Can I keep going? This woman was waiting for something. I can imagine she was going into church, you know, like, hey, hey Simeon, how you doing there? I like, oh, baby, you know I'm doing good, amen. <laughs> and, and she's like, you still believing, huh? You know, like, the people ain't coming around the temple as much as they used to. Come on, somebody, come on. <laughs> You're not leaving the temple. No, I'm staying the course. I'm not giving up on faith, family, church, synagogue. Come on, somebody. I know they've been believing for some things. Yeah, I'm still believing. I'm still believing. The same day that Jesus came in and was brought, Simeon then lift him up before God. And look at the next verse, verse 27, 37. This woman was 84 years old who did not depart from the temple, serve God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in that instant. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who look for the redemption. I can see this old sister in the old mother in the church. She's seeing Simeon. He's over there. He's crying. He's prophesying. And, and oh, here come old sister prophetess Anna. And she said, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> she began to thank the Lord. I don't know how it looked. I can only imagine. How many of y'all know when we walk into our building, we ought to be like, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. When that thing that you are believing to see in your lifetime happens, come on. You ought to be like Simeon. You ought to be like Anna. Numbers 27. So let me ask you, what are you waiting to see happen in the kingdom in this lifetime? I'm not talking about your bucket list. But in the kingdom, what are you looking to see? What does finishing look like to you? This is designed by God to keep you going. This will keep you from giving up. In Numbers 27, 12 through 13, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go up into the mountain of Abram and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also will be gathered to the people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. What is he saying? When you see it, then you can depart. When you, oh, I don't think you got that. When you see it, then you can depart. In other words, stay here until you see it. Until you see your children fulfilling the will of God for their life, living in victorious, living an overcoming life. Until you see your church doing the work of God and fulfilling its mission. Until you are in that place of completing your kingdom purpose. Then keep going. Keep believing. 
My challenge to you is what are you believing to see in this lifetime? Can I give you one last one? I got one yes. I think I done made y'all mad today. All right, come on. Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 27. This will keep you alive. In Luke 9, 27, Jesus said to those that are disciples, he says, I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. I have struggled with this passage of scripture for decades. Because in my mind as a young man, I thought Jesus was talking to people. And he was saying, there are some of y'all that are not going to see death until I come back the second time. Listen, there's nobody that's alive from the first century of the world. A hundred years A.D. How many of y'all know there's no 2,000 year old people on the planet? I believe there's a supernatural meaning to this verse. And I say it, I say it prophetically and sadly. There's some people in this room, in a good sense, that will not taste death until they see their kingdom purpose fulfilled. Are you listening to me today? There are some that are going to taste death and not see the kingdom purpose fulfilled. Because they're not listening. Amen. But I want to be on the right side. Amen. I want to be on that side. I'm not tasting death until I believe to see. Until I see what I'm believing for. I had ministered this and it was stirring in my heart and I knew that I was supposed to minister it to you today. And it just came up in my heart. Because it's kept me alive. I remember when that thought came. And even since then, there are times when thoughts like that can come. Jonah was at a place where he didn't want to live. He wanted to give it up. Elijah, as a man of God, as a minister, had got to the same place where he didn't want to live. He wanted to give up. Even Jesus himself, who Hebrew says he was tempted and tested in all points like as we are, yet without sin. I used to wonder this. I mean, that means possibly that Jesus was tempted to give it up and to die. But yet he didn't sin. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, his soul was exceeding. Listen, his soul, he was crying out to God. And he, said, he was telling his disciples, my soul, listen. My soul is exceedingly sorrow, sorrowful, even unto death. Who am I talking to? There are storms in life that can come at you so strong that they can make you want to give up. He said, my soul, that's referring to my mind, my will, and my emotions are at such a place even to I want to die, even unto death. But he said, but watch with me and pray that you enter not in temptation. And he went on a little bit further and he says, Lord, not what I want. Because if it was up to me, I'm ready to give it up. I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to quit. But not what I want, God. Come on, somebody. Not my will, but thy will be done. 
So he stayed the course. He fulfilled his kingdom purpose and he died on that cross. I wrote a list down of what I'm believing to see in my lifetime. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm believing to see Makita and I become one of the greatest pastors that ever been on the planet. I'm believing to see before I die both our boys grow up in the Lord. I'm believing to see both of our boys marry God's choice for their wives. And I'm believing to see them fulfilling their kingdom purpose. I'm believing to experience and live in real financial wealth. I'm believing to see Faith Family Church fulfilling its God-ordained assignment with a place of our own, a place that we own. I will not die until I see us own our own building. I'm believing to see the legacy of my father continued and carried out to the next generation. I'm believing to see Faith Family Church open churches and ministries in Guyana, South America. I'm not leaving planet Earth until we go down to Guyana and open up some churches and some ministries. Amen. I'm believing to see international churches and ministries that have been touched by my dad, strengthened and supported in preaching the gospel. I'm believing to see Faith Family Church own its own aircraft debt-free. I'm believing to see the last day's outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a harvest of souls. I'm believing to see the end-time wealth transfer of the wicked. I'm believing to see the blind see. I'm believing to see the lame walk. I'm believing to see the dumb to talk and the deaf to hear. I'm believing to see the dead to raise the life. I'm believing to see my grandchildren born and raised in the Lord. I'm believing to see, I'm believing to preach into my 90s and live until I'm satisfied and until the Lord comes again. I'm believing to see churches churches filled and overflowing in stadiums. Hallelujah. I'm believing to see those who have received me as their pastor fulfill their life purpose and be hugely successful as well as preaching and teaching all over the place. I'm believing to see and I'm believing to leave a legacy that Stanley and Marquise will be honored to carry on. I'm believing to see. <laughs> ah, glory to God. I'm believing to see the goodness of the Lord in my lifetime. And that's what keeps me going. That's why I won't quit. That's why I'm not moved by what I see. That's why I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm believing God. Hallelujah. Did you get it? I said, did you get it? Listen, Marquita and I do not own this church. This church is a not-for-profit organization that the congregation owns. That's not my subwoofer. Those are not my trailers. This is not my microphone. That's not my camera. It belongs to Houston Faith Family Church Incorporated, which is you. This is your church. There's some people that are online watching that have been a part of this church since its beginning. They have given probably hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars over 13 plus years. You ought to be believing to see. 
You're not hearing me. You've been bringing your tithes and your offerings, and you have been coming. You've been being a part of this. You ought to stay here until you see what you have been believing. You ought to stay here until you see what you have been expecting. Oh, come on, stand up on your feet. I'm preaching better than you saying amen today. Hallelujah. So my question is, what are you believing to see in your lifetime? What are you believing to see? Hallelujah. Write it down. What did I say? Write it down. Make a list. And listen, if, you, if it looks like it's just natural, human, and has no eternal significance, save that for a different list. Put that other stuff on your right to vision list. Put that other stuff on right to dream list. Get you a list that's kingdom purpose. For those of you that work secularly, you know, you may not be privileged to work for a ministry. There's kingdom purpose attached to your secular work. I mean, I, you know, you work, my wife works for a wealth management corporation and they give her lots of money in order to do what it is that she she does. Listen, there's kingdom purpose tied to that company. Why? Because the money they give her, we give a tithe off of it. I'm talking about like it's mine. We give a tithe off of it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Yeah, we do, because everything she has is mine. Everything I have is hers. Amen. Now, when she goes to work, it's it's got kingdom purpose. I'll talk to you about that. I'll teach you that in another day. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to minister to you. I want to minister to you right now. If you've been in a bad and a dark place in life, don't leave without being born again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And this is the way you give your life to Him. Pray this prayer. Mean it from your heart and God will save you right where you stand. Say it out loud, church. Let's support them that are praying for the first time. Say, God in heaven. I come to you today to give you my life. I do believe that Jesus Christ, he is your son. He died for me. They put him on the cross at Calvary. They put him in a grave. But I believe you raised him from the dead. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for all my sins. And I accept your offer of forgiveness therefore father i believe by faith i am born again that means when i die i'll come to heaven heaven will be my home i thank you for saving me and now teach me to number my days that i may be wise may the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious unto you. Before we go, I want to sing that part of the song. I just got to see you. I got to see you. I'll see you all on Sunday. I'll be here to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Come on, Uniqua. I love you. God loves you. We'll see you all next time.